want you to know, I want you to know that to this week, we, I got to hang out with, uh, with my, my parents this weekend. We went to go see our pastors, and everybody marveled when my father, when I was, you know, say, you know, I just turned 70. And every time somebody did it, he would, he would, he would take a spin. He'd be like, I just turned 70. He'd be like, <laughs> like, look at me. This joke look good, doesn't he? Hey, Dad, happy Father's Day. Thank you, baby. Because of you, I will not be a statistic. Because of you, I will fulfill God's purpose for my life. Because of your investment in my life, I'm going to do my best to return your investment multiplied. Mm. And it's going to happen very soon. Amen. Watch me. Watch me. All right. Um, we're going to have a conversation this today, but here's what I'd like you to do. Today, we are going to have a chance to take live questions from the father that good so if you have a live question I'm gonna pick somebody in just a moment in just a minute and you can send your live question to that same text that good you can send your name if you want or it could be anonymous either way you want to do it I won't know who you are if you don't send your name okay so if you would if you would like to take a live question for give the bishop one that would be dope that good hello all right, cool. So we're going to have a live uh, conversation today with the bishop. And the first person that's going to have a conversation today with the bishop, man, a, a joker that I've come to, to, to really admire, really smart, really dope family. Uh, man, second generation in this church, which is really cool. If y'all will please welcome JT. Have a seat, sir. Bishop, I'll start by uh, just telling you a little bit about myself. Okay. I, I don't know if a lot of people don't know me, but um, so I'm, I'm 36 years old, born in the 80s, of course, and uh, when I was born, uh, my mother and father was not not together. In fact, my father was married, but separated. So that, uh, that basically means I was a product of infidelity. Um, now through the years, my dad has always, always been there. Not physically in the household, but there. Anything I needed, uh, he was there. Ball games, he was there. Um, <coughs> when I was born, my mother actually did not tell him I was born. They had a, a disagreement at the time, and she, he didn't even know until about three days later. So I think... <sighs> getting to know my dad over the years, I think he actually got to, uh, he, he thought about that a lot, just based on some, some of the conversations I've had with him. But it wasn't up until I, 
graduated college in 2007 where our relationship uh, changed. It started to, to blossom into what I wanted it to be. And uh, even to this day, he, he sends a text every morning, good morning, have a blessed day. Um, however, he taught me uh, life lessons. He taught me a lot, a lot of different things. And, um, but the one thing I would say he did not fully uh, explain to me is what is the real purpose of a father? And that would be my question to you, sir. What is, what is the real purpose of a father? You wouldn't have to ask me that, right? <laughs> It's, it's uh, JT, it's such an important question that uh, I think it's a question that many, many, many people are asking for, you know, like most people, that nothing is being more contended against than fatherhood. So I, I would go to the scripture, you know, because there we find the origin of all things. I don't know if you know it or not, but one of the verses that, I, in fact, I was looking at this this morning. It's in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. And uh, it, it talks about at all the families in heaven and on earth are named after the Father, the Father God. In fact, the way it says it is that all families derive its name from the Father God. Paul says, I bow my knee to the Father in heaven from which all the families in heaven and earth are named. So I'll say it to you this way, that this word father is so incredibly important. It really means, it really means progenitor, the beginning first, the first of the beginning. And it's a very powerful name, and the word fatherhood actually means family. So some translate that verse of scripture, all the fatherhoods in heaven and on earth is named after the father. In other words, all families have something from the father God. So number one, a father is about the beginning. He is the starter, the igniter, the initiator. Your wife couldn't have got pregnant without you. Thank God. And, and uh, your mom couldn't have got pregnant without your dad. And, and that father determines the very sex, the very sex of, of, the, of the child, whether it be male or female. This is determined by the dad, the father, progenitor, the beginner. So I want to say that the first thing is that a fathers are, res are responsible for the identity of their children, both male and female. We learn how to be men from fathers. We're supposed to. And ladies learn that they are not men from fathers because fathers don't treat their children, little baby girls, like boys. The fathers help, help that child identify female, who she is, talks to her different, treats her different, 
handles her different. You, as a father, you determine, you know, you determine the identity of the next generation. And that's a huge deal, particularly now when we have so much warfare around gender and gender confusion. And God really was specific in his creation. And so dads, fathers, that's one of the first purposes is to determine is to, and to secure the identity of that child. That it's okay to be a male and to have what men have. I'm, I'm so glad I had a dad that made me secure in my manhood. I wasn't attempting to be anything else other than what he identified in my life. Neither were my sisters. That's number one, to, to determine identity. Uh, that's a really big deal. Another thing, fathers, purposes, the purpose of a father is to define the purpose of the child. Dads are supposed to point their children in the direction of their purpose, the reason why. That's why when you, how many boys you have? Three boys. Any girls yet? No girls yet. No girls yet. Shall I pray? Shall I pray for you? Said, no, we're done. Oh, God. Thank, thank the Father for being done. Okay. I was going to pray. Maybe you know, the Lord really has blessed me to pray for people that want to have babies, and um, that's all I do is pray. Yeah, yeah. Fathers determine not only the the sex, secure the identity. Of, of the child. The next, in fact, you can't be called father until you have a child. If someone called you father and you didn't have any children, well, it would be like bogus. Unless they were talking about maybe in a spiritual sense. But yeah, father, fatherhood is defined by children and children become defined by their dads. But also you secure them. You, you help them, under, you secure them the purpose of a dad is to secure the child so that they will never be alone by never abandoning them, abandoning them and, and always supplying what they need. In fact, this is exactly what the scripture says. I will never leave you. So what the father says to us as his spiritual children, he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Actually, the first word is abandon. It means to, to, to run away from or to leave or to abdicate responsibility. But the other word is I will never forsake you. And the word forsake means to take care of you. So dads are, are, are there to never abandon, secure that child by never abandoning. Mm. And always taking care of them. Another purpose of fatherhood is protection. The father's there to protect their children. What I mean by that is protect them from what would harm them and even protect them from themselves because there are things that we are born with that will hurt us. And um, dads are to protect the children, to protect their life so that we, we learn that, that life is precious. We're to learn that from our fathers because they take every painstaking effort to protect that child, to protect their future, to protect what God has, in, has put inside of them. So it, not only do they determine their sex, 
they help them direct terms of in terms of the purpose of that child, what what they're here for and what they're to do. So that's why you will notice in your children that they are very, very different, right? And that that there's even their likes and dislikes, their skills, you begin to see them right away. And what a father does is, is to secure that, protect that and direct it. But also dads are responsible to model what the Father God is like to your children. Just like God intended for all dads to introduce their children to their grandfathers. It helps secure the lineage. It helps create legacy. It connects the generations. Maybe we have a generational gap because dads who have abandoned their original purpose have not been able to connect their children with their grandparents. That's, that's one of the things dads do. They secure that child. They protect and they provide for that child. And they prepare that child to be what God the Father has called them to be. I mean, it's a lot, but hopefully that makes sense to you. It does. It does. It actually sparked a couple of uh, follow-up questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I've always wondered if my life would have been different had I had a chance to live with my father. Mm. And you, you touched on it a little bit, and, and, and of course it's evident to see it in, in your kids and in, in you being there. But the other part to me is you talked about generation. Um, how important is it as a, as a man to have your father's last name? Because that, that's something me and my wife talked about. Your father's last name? Last name. Because, because okay. my father didn't know, I don't have his last name. Mm. When he didn't know that I was born, so I don't have his last name. Mm. Well, um, if he's got a lot of money, it's important for you to have his last name. Bishop Johnson? Yeah. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. See if he, yeah, see if, if he has, if, he, if he's, if he's wealthy, it's important. <laughs> um, and I, I really do mean that. If, I mean, if, if name, last name is about inheritance. Now, one of the things that Father God promises is that He'll restore to us everything that was lost in our inheritance. But if you ask me in the natural, why is that important? Yeah, you know, have your dad's last name is important con concerning inheritance. But also, last name can be, can be detrimental. When fathers before us, you know, have not, when they've not lived the life that God wants, or they bring a horrible reputation, last name can carry that reputation. And spiritually speaking, the Bible says that the, the sins of the fathers are visited to the even unto the third generation. But then it talks about the blessing of God that comes on a man who loves God. He changes his generation. In fact, his earthly name is not going to be his name in heaven. And that when he takes on the father's name, he has a new inheritance. And it wipes.
wipes out the curse of the old man. So from a blood standpoint, uh, it could be important for inheritance sake, but it's more important it's more important that you have your heavenly father's inheritance. I, I think she's trying to tell us something. I understand. <laughs> Isn't that an awesome conversation? How many of you wow. have really benefited from that answer? Wow. That good? Thank you so much, JT. I really appreciate you. I'll see you. Thank you, man. Thank, appreciate your, your transparency and your honesty. You all give it up for JT real quick. Dad, stand up here with me right here real quick. Uh, the guys are coming to move the chair as we get ready for our next segment. Uh, somebody asked a question that I thought was a really dope question. They said, uh, how do you respond when you've messed up and uh, your approach to your children? How do you ask for forgiveness when they won't listen because of what I assume because you're saying because of what you've done that they won't listen to you? Wow. That's a tough question. So I think if I understand, they want to communicate they want to ask them for forgiveness, but their past actions have been such that sounds like it. The children won't believe. You know, that's a really powerful question. So let me tell you what the Lord said to me. Right? He said, He said, I so love the world that I gave my only son. So that whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. So here's what the Lord showed me. He says... Yeah, because I was having trouble figuring out what a father-son forgiveness thing. It didn't, didn't make sense to me right now. Oh, oh, so, oh, so help, help me out, Okay, Pops. okay. So here's the question. If the father so loved the world, he asked me, what, what do I need to do to demonstrate my love for my child so that they would believe that what I was saying was true. What demonstration of love did I need to show toward them? Because if I could show them that kind of love, they would believe me. So you're saying it's your demonstration of love that opposes what was done before, before. in that wrongness, so that or a wrong thing that happened, and then that causes there to be reconciliation between parent and child, that's a, that's where the reestablishment of the hierarchy can be done. Yeah, you said that better than I did. Did I? No, yeah. I don't think so. I was yeah. trying to make sure that we understand. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we, we've been saying it, you know, you're a, you're, a, you're a bottle of concentrate guy. We need a little bit of water on there so we can make sure we get everybody, you know what I mean? Okay, so the question is, what do you have to do? What do you have to do for your child mm. that speaks so loudly of your love for them? And the Lord said to me, he said, and I sacrificed everything to prove to you that I love you. My God. So the question is, if you, have, you know, it's not been a good reputation, and, and, you, and you were a father or a mother in sin, and now you're trying to convince your children that you really do care for them. Well, the question is, what do you need to do? What is it that, what act of love could you do for them that would undeniably say to them, you love them. Uh, At that point, I, I believe they will listen to you. I, I remember also there's something, it may be a little bit of a can of worms, but I remember you did something with us that I thought was very courageous. Uh, we had a conversation as a family, and one of the questions you asked us is, what have 
I done to you that has made it easy for you to sin? Mm. And I thought it was very brave because it meant you had to face yourself in our eyes. Uh, but what it also did is it erased our excuses to continue to go in the wrong path of life. Mm. Um, so it was tough to, for you first to, to sacrifice yourself in a, in a sense, mm. but also as a child, like I said, it, it took away all of my excuses mm. to have to live or to live in, in, that, in that wrong way. Mm. Uh, it was really courageous of you. I appreciate you. Just want to show you what type of dude my dad really, really mm. is. That good? I don't want to talk about it yet. I know you. I know you got like mad words <laughs> in your head about it. Um, next session we're gonna have man is 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 one of my homies for life, and I thought it was important that we don't just concentrate on guys, but uh, that we talk to the ladies. That good? If you would please welcome my sister Toya Johnson. This is going to be so good. I can't wait. Here you go. All right. Good morning. Good morning, baby. How are you? You look great. Thank you. I like the polka dots. Yeah. Good morning. Okay. So I'll give you a little backstory for those of you who don't, me, don't know me. I am the wife of Christopher Flynn Johnson, the only, finally, first and last wife of Christopher Flynn Johnson, yes. <laughs> and um, I am the daughter to uh, Luana and Eddie. They were not married when I was conceived, um, but I've always had them around. I've always known, you know, both my parents. But my question is, I was raised by an aunt who was a single parent, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a parent as well, let me say that. I'm a mother of an eight-year-old and a six-year-old son, an eight-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son, and I was not raised in a household with both parents. Mm. I was also not raised in a household that had a, I'll say a consistent male figure in it. You know, my aunt dated a guy for a long time um, who was very nice to me, you know, no, nothing crazy or anything like that. But the only real, um, when it came down to it, the only real type of interactions I saw, like that I can remember between my mom and my dad, w as far as parenting was um, an argument they had about <laughs> me and a dog had bitten me, and my dad is like, this dog bit my daughter. And my mom's like, oh, you know, she's lying. She didn't get bit by a dog. And like my daddy like blew up and was like, are you crazy? You know, that kind of interaction. So being raised in a household with my aunt, she made the decisions, uh, discipline, discipline decision, educational, you know, what I, you know, those types of things. So here I am married and having to learn how to raise children with my husband and I have had no example of that so my question is because there are times when um, my husband will discipline my children 
and I feel some kind of way. <laughs> and then I'm pretty sure it might be vice versa, but my husband was raised in a household with a mom and a dad, so he's seen that interaction. Uh, so sometimes, you know, I fly off the handle and I'm like, rawr, you know, say some things, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, meet me in the bedroom. This is where we'll have this conversation. What do you, what kind of, I don't know, advice or can you help me? Because sometimes I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm burning up inside. Like I want to say something to him because I don't agree with maybe what he, what he did or what he didn't do. Because in my mind, I'm a strong black woman and you know, I know what's right for my kids, but I don't want to um, have our household be like that. So yeah, I need some help. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Ooh, that's a courageous question. Let me just tell you that what you're feeling about your children as a mom is, is usually right. It's just not all that is needed. And um, my wife and I, Carolyn, um, she's an incredible person. You can clap, ma'am. Um, she really is. And um, she would feel some kind of way. And sometimes when she, her discipline wouldn't be what I would have done. And many times, I'm sure my discipline or lack of it in her eyes would not have been what she would have done. So you're asking me a question that's really, really important because it really comes down to the, the two. And um, if you've not been in a household with a, a male, it can be pretty disconcerting for that male to take charge and minister the, 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 the level of discipline that they believe is necessary for the situation, particularly when you feel something different. Let me just applaud you. If you're having the conversation in the absence of the kids, that's awesome. That this conversation should not go down in front of the children because they don't need to see your disagreement. Plus, your children are programmed to separate. <laughs> I said, your children are programmed to separate you and your husband by going to the one that they can get what they want from the, the easiest. Let all the children say amen. So, so, so if, if they don't think they can get it from you, they'll go to him and vice versa. And if they can get away with it, they go to the person that they know they can get away with it. Okay, so I, I wanna say it this way. You need both parents to have appropriate discipline for the children. But there are times when, when the Bible lays down this whole uh, level of corporate, corporal punishment. Um, and it's, it's amazing that not every infraction or every disobedience or every rebellion demands the same thing. And sometimes our parents really mess it up because if we did anything wrong, if we moved the napkin wrong, bam, you know, I mean, we'd be sitting at the table. If we picked up, if we touched the food before, you pop, you know, the right hand. Somebody said African-Americans have big lips because they always got smacked in the mouth by their mama, but I don't know that that's right. But 
I do know that we, 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 we grow up in a, in a culture that, um, whose concepts of discipline are not always biblical. And when God straightens it out, he, the first thing he does, he brings order to the discipline. That's why he, in his hierarchy of responsibility, not importance, in his hierarchy of responsibility, he makes your husband the head. He even calls him the head because he's responsible. At the end of the day, he has to answer for the way the discipline went down for his kids. It doesn't mean that she doesn't discipline. doesn't mean she's not involved. But in terms of headship, he is ultimately responsible. So I will say to you, one of the things you might want to do is consider not having to do an unpleasant thing. Because we're parents, you know, unless there's something perverted in us, we don't really like to beat our kids. And we don't like to, we, we don't really want to inflict pain or punishment or pressure or correction upon our kids. It's not pleasant. Most kids don't know that. But parents, they suffer. Okay. Ah, Okay. You know, you always get those details like that because usually ladies, they get the details like that. So I'll take it out of my pocket like you said. How about this working better? Good. So one thing you need, one thing you should do, this is a matter of faith and trust. Now, if you believe that you married the person that pleases God, that's a choice. If you, if you choose to believe that I married the person that pleases God, then I can believe that his motives are, are pure and good. Even, even better than that, if you believe that you married a person who will repent for any wrong motive or any wrong thing they've done, oh, you got a winner. Because we don't always do it right. But if you believe that, then you can step back and you can, re you can rest. And maybe the most important thing is to have that talk because the way our parents disciplined us doesn't mean that's the right way. In fact, some of us bear the scars today of inappropriate discipline. In, in, in many of our communities, it would be considered abuse. Because we say stuff like, I'm going to beat the hide off of you. I'm going to bust your head down to the white meat. And on and on and on. And I'm not saying that kids don't need disciplining, but, but, but discipline, discipline for, for many of us is not biblical. But I will say that if you honor the order that God has set in your marriage, then trust that your husband motives are right and allow him to do that if he's certainly if he wants to if, if he's uh, disposed to do it I would even say on the opposite sometimes I think that wives need to in, need to put need to do it whether my mom my mother would do to my, my dad that's your boy yeah. take <laughs> take care of it and I think for for many many husbands they they need uh, a little motivation to minister discipline when it's appropriate. 
Okay, so make it simple. Agree in private. Agree in private. What is going to constitute a beating? That's a really hard, that's a heavy thing. Agree, agree in private. Now, don't beat him because he dropped the ice cream on the couch. <laughs> unless, unless you told him three times not to take the ice cream to the couch. Now you're disobedient for the right thing. That's for disobedience. You see what I'm saying? So, so don't, don't beat them because of mistakes they make. Agree what the discipline should be in private and then administer it public. And then if it, there are times when he needs to say to you, you need to take care of that. Which, because when the child does something crazy, and the father's not there, you know, sometimes waiting is not appropriate. <laughs> but if you have an agreement, then it's a lot easier. And when you, when inappropriate discipline is taking place, don't correct each other in the presence of your kids. Go back in private and talk about that thing. Because it'll save, it'll save your kids and it'll save you. And then if it was inappropriate, be, be, be man enough, husband enough, father enough, wife enough, mother enough to say, go to your child and, say, and look him right in the face and tell him, I should not have done that to you. Oh, you're going to save your kids when you do this. And also you will instill in them the appropriate discipline for the appropriate thing. Tell them, I should not have... It didn't call for that. Will you forgive me? This is a big deal. And when you do that, I promise you, you'll see incredible changes in your children. Um, trust him. Hope that helps. That helps. It helps a lot. Especially the... Um, when, when I feel like, when I feel like it's inappropriate or he feels like it's inappropriate going to him, that's, that's, that's the million dollar answer right there. Because I think I have had the tendency to say something to him in the midst of it and in front of the kids like, you know, don't do him like that, you know, something along those lines. So I appreciate that. I, I should say too, when you, when a wife steps in to administer discipline that sh and the father's right there and interrupts or in intrudes into, you're teaching your daughter, your son, to do the same thing. You're taking your children to the university of family and you're giving them a degree in inappropriate discipline. And that's why you don't, that's why I'm saying you want to talk in private because that is powerful. Discipline is one of the most incredible shapers of culture. And, um, and so, and, and so it, I mean, I think you do an incredible, I think you do an incredible job. And uh, you, you're going to be all right, baby. Thank you all. appreciate you for being so transparent. It's not always easy uh, to be first family. You didn't, you didn't know you were choosing this when you chose to marry Chris. 
and one of the choices that we made as a family is to be transparent and to mirror before you what family is supposed to be and what's dope about our family is is that we have to have courage sometimes to be to just let it to just tell everybody what it is. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. We give it up for my sister, please. All right, Dad, we're going to go to the next segment, but uh, you can stand real quick if you would. Um, you can leave the chair. There's no problem. Um, we're going to go. We're getting ready to dive into something just a little bit deeper. But before we get deep, let's get a little bit light, just a little bit. A little bit light? A little bit light. Um, why, why was it so important to you that we were exposed to um, different kinds of music and cultures? Um, uh, I know that all of us, actually all of us have traveled all over the world. And it was something that was, it was a value that you set. I mean, I don't, for us, I don't know, it was, we saw it as an intentional thing, but you always exposed us to things that weren't just relegated to the African-American culture, music, food. Food is a big deal in our family. How come you, why, why was that so important? I forget how the mic is yeah, you got one, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish, I many things I would like to see changed or, or change. I wish you could have sat in the lap of your grandfather. I wish you could have known your grandparents. But your, your, your grandfather was an amazing person. He played piano and he sang. And your grandmother was a concert pianist. I mean, she learned professionally to play. Could read music, could read, could read Bach, Beethoven, she could read it. Sit, I, I'd see her sitting there, and she used to teach students. I'd be sitting there watching her teach students. So they both were musical. So, they, so my exposure was because of them, because they exposed me. Now, when, when my children came, I mean, I married a woman who's musical. In fact, we sang together before we did anything else together. Mom plays, too. I don't know if you knew, but Mom plays the piano as well. She does play. She does play. We'll have to have her play sometime. That's a good idea. You know, like I said, we sang together before we did anything else together. Thank you. La, 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 la. And, um, and um, we, um, so we were, we were both exposed to music. And I knew my children, I knew that my children would have what was in us. And so I, I know at least back to two generations. And um, so I, 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 in my mind, I thought if my children are gonna have influence in the world, I've got to expose them. And plus it was fun. And uh, my, my father was not religious. He, he valued sacred, we call sacred music or worship music but he appreciated all the rest. So, uh, you know, he would take me, my dad, your grandfather, would take me to the Pentecostal church where they had drums and keyboards and horns. And he, would take, he would just take me and we'd sit there and I was like, whoa, this is really freaky. Look at these guys. And they would, they'd be playing because it, it wasn't so in the church where we grew up. So he, so he, he exposed me. And I felt like that was part, part of what we were to do. Do you think it's important to expose your children to different things besides what they grew up with? Because um, it wasn't just music for us, it was food, it was cultures, it was all kinds of things. 
That's part of education. And, and actually, the state is not responsible to educate you. Mm. The parents are. Mm. And the moment we give that to the state, we've lost. And we're suffering today because of it. So we, Carol and I took it very, you know, you, you were homeschooled. We didn't even put you, we, the first few years, we homeschooled our, our children. We'll homeschool you. Uh, because we believed that you would make a difference, that you would, that our, all of our children would, would make a difference in the world. We, we, we knew that. So we, <laughs> we exposed you to all kinds of things. Sure Even crickets. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate you for exposing me to crickets that I put in my mouth and ate as a child. So somebody said, ugh, it was a baby. God help me. Interesting. Listen, we're, <laughs> it's so important, the effects of the father. I don't know if you realize the depth of the effect of the father on culture. So really quickly, we're going to watch a, a, a clip, and um, I want you to see what uh, the current research says that the effects of the father is. You ready, Ken? You can go ahead and cue that up. Pops, you can have a seat if you like. Nearly 40% of all children in the United States are born out of wedlock. Nearly 35% of Caucasian children are born out of wedlock. More than half of all Hispanic children in the U.S. are born out of wedlock. More than 70% of all African-American children are born out of wedlock. the difference. 
I can experience the love of Christ. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Deuteronomy 11, 18, and 19. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. So, uh, like I said, we're going to jump deep off. This is the last segment of our of our conversation, and uh, I'd really like to uh, introduce to some and present to others a really dope young man. I kind of consider him my little brother, if you will. Please welcome John Johnson. How you doing, John? Happy Father's Day, Bishop. Happy Father's Day to you, John. Awesome. How many children do you have now? I got 10 now. Uh, no, I got five. <laughs> I thought you were prophesying. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I think we done. I think. So how many do you have now? Five. Yeah, five. Five. Yes. yes. Five. Um, expecting any more? No, sir. Not, not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> no, um, so I'm 30 years old. Um, I grew up with both of my parents at first, but they, uh, they separated when I was at at an early age, they separated when I was around like five or something like that. Um, and I remember me having to choose which one of them I wanted to live with. And mm. it was kind of hard for me because I didn't know what was going on. So, you know, I just went with moms. And then um, I witnessed uh, when we came here to Atlanta, you know, we took the train and I happened to look out the window and see my pops cry for the first time. You saw him in the crowd? I saw him cry for the oh. first time. When you left, you mean? Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, that um, that took a toll on me. I started looking at my mother a different way. You know, um, when we moved to Atlanta, at first everything was cool. You know, we had a nice little apartment or whatever. And then next thing you know, stuff started going downhill. Um, you know, finance, financial, uh, finance-wise, um, we kept getting evicted and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I, you know, witnessed my mom with, uh, you know, a couple other other men. I mean, I didn't see my father. I mean, my father was always in my life, you know, verbally, but physically he wasn't there. And um, I happened to move back with my dad and. When I was living with my dad, uh, I seen a lot of stability. You know, um, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't uh, as careless with, you know, money like my mother was, or, you know, um, not as secretive as my mother was and stuff like that. Um, and then I happened to move back with my mom because um, she had called me one day and she was like, well, I really need your help. And um, 
So I moved back with my mom and I helped, you know, stay with her. And um, I was looking for a job and stuff like that. And um, I just couldn't get a job. And, you know, my mom, uh, she really needed help uh, with money and stuff. So I started, you know, doing stuff that I, you know what I'm saying, didn't really want to do, but I had to at the time. So I started selling certain things and stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and, um, certain things. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, to help out. And, um, one particular time I, I got, you know, I got caught. I was in the car with one of my homies and, um, we got pulled over and, you know, we both went to jail, but I did more time. Um, but, um, when I got out, uh, I went back to Philly to my to my my dad's house and um you know um I would always offer my dad money to uh, for rent because I that's all I did when I stayed with my moms and stuff because she would always ask me for extra money and this and third and um my pops would never take money from me he would always tell me to save it and just you know, stuff like that, mm. and then keep it in my pocket and stuff like that. And um, I just, uh, well, um, my question is, how do you, you know, deal with the effects of have, um, being fatherless? Mm. I think are a lot of people asking that question. How do I deal with the effects of being fatherless. I sometimes feel like I'm at a disadvantage because I don't really know what that is. Um, except after my dad passed. By then I was 15. Pretty much could take care of myself. It's hard for me to imagine what it'd be like not to have that stabilizing force in my life. I've seen more than I ever want to say. And unfortunately, most of the challenges that I deal with in the lives of people stem back to this issue of not having a, a father and a mother in the same home. Um, so I, I'm going to say it to you this way. The good news is that the promise of the gospel promise of the good news is that he said I will restore to you fathers I mean that's that's a crazy promise I think some people don't even want that because they have so much pain in not having that a dad there but the Bible talks about and this comes from the fatherhood of God something about the Father God you should know is he is into restoration and he has the power to restore everything that was lost. And when you come to God, when you come to the Lord with your heart open about what you have done, how you've disappointed him, all the things that were not right, when you come to God, to be restored to God for a relationship, one of the first things he starts revealing to you is his fatherhood. 
Now it's a it's a it's amazing. God promises where we have been lacking in. I don't I don't want to say the father figure because sometimes fathers are present in the home but they're not functioning. I don't know which is worse, to be a dad there and not functioning like a dad should be functioning, or not to be there at all. But either way, God promises to restore what was taken and what was stolen and what we did not have. I, I, I think that's the beginning of the answer. How do I live with the effects of fatherlessness? You go to the Father God. I'm really not trying to be spooky here. I mean, when you, when you decide that you're going to follow God, one of the first things he does is restore security to your life. One of the things he does is helps you understand why he made you, what you're here for. He even gets involved in, this, in the maturation process. The, the father works with you as, you as you grow up in him. And let me just, just tell you that one of the things the Lord had me to do, because my father wasn't perfect, and I found myself having to forgive him even after he died. And, I, and in fact, the Father God re- required me to forgive him for what he did, for what he did. And it's amazing when I asked God, when I, when, I, when I forgave my father in the presence of God the Father, it's amazing what he released me from. And I'll say to you that the effects of fatherhood are devastating but everything that you that you lost you get in Jesus Christ in being connected to, to God the Father he restores the relationship and, and then then what he does this is kind of awesome he puts men in your life that actually help play the role of what you missed and God is so awesome that he is able to restore immediately what you didn't have all your life. That's an amazing thing about God. Um, the effects of fatherhood or fatherlessness are, are devastating. Even our whole culture, you know, we're dealing with it right now. Um, but I'm going to tell you that the beginning answer to this is facing God, facing God, your Heavenly Father, and beginning a relationship with Him. And I promise you, He starts restoring and revealing Himself to you and giving back to you what you, what you lost. In fact, every, you actually end up being a better father than what you would have been had you had your father been there without Christ. That's how powerful he is. By the way, is your dad still living? Yes, he is. Do you have a relationship with him? Yeah, I do. I call him, I call him every, what, every weekend or yeah. every other day. Uh, we, sports is our thing, so we just talk about mm-hmm. sports all the time. Um, I just make sure my brother and my sister on that side good. You know, I got family still back in too so yeah he's still he's still here so i was i was heartbroken over my my golden state warriors i was heartbroken i wasn't 
I was not. You were not. <laughs> no. <laughs> somebody needed to get him out of there. So. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Toronto was glorying, but you know they had the glory in the fact that they were, were beating a broken team. You know. I, I give you that one. <laughs> Say, so listen, I, I'm kind of curious. You know, um, I understand you got skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. So thinking about fatherlessness, about being restored. Because, by the way, does your father know the Lord? Yeah, uh, he, he he knows of him. I mean, he, he talks about him. About God. But, yeah, but I don't think he, like, all the way there yet. You know, I believe God will use you to bring him to the knowledge of God, his Savior. I believe that. Now that's, that's one of the great things about knowing God. By the way, did you know your grandfather? I don't. I uh, didn't get to see him. It'd be interesting to know what your father would say about your grandfather. I bet you it would be an explanation of why he was the way he was. Yeah. But um, I, I would, if I were you, I would look for God to, um, I would, I would, um, you know, I would work on that relationship because usually God brings restoration through it. I, th I wonder if you could maybe, um, you know, give us a few bars off the cuff about fatherhood. Something for you, uh, Bishop. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, it's going. It's not about fatherhood, but it's uh more more towards like family. family. Okay. okay. Is that okay? okay? Can't have That's family without father. Okay. okay cool. All right. Uh, you can do the. the Sick and tired of the struggle, I want to be set for life. I want to be that suitable husband for my wife. I want my kids to look up to me like I'm a giant and brag about they pops in school, dog, I ain't lying. Sometimes I can be real selfish and defined. Looking for what God, looking for in me, but can't find it. But I know he got me, so my future bright like a diamond. Once I reach my goals, I won't let it go like a Grammy. I know the devil working, but I never let him grab me. Because I pray to God every day for better strategy. Push your ball, focus like bifocals on old ladies. And I spit that fire, got lava in my saliva. Supernatural power, supernatural power. I do this music so my voice can get heard like Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> your father gave you because all of us are a product of the combination of our dads and our moms isn't that amazing I think you ought to keep talking to him I think God will do something something awesome give it up for John Johnson real quick will you give it up for Bishop Johnson the father of this house that all right
Yeah, that's good if you would. That's good if you can honor him. That's good. Hey, John Adams, will you help me really quickly? I have a special treat for you. We're going to ride this till the wheels fall off. I got something really, really, really fun, really special for you if you would. Man, it's so cool to have my whole, my whole family here. All of us are here. Yes, please, if you would. Uh, so if you would, please welcome my baby brother. This is Matthew Johnson. Excellent husband, excellent father, and you look good doing it, bro. I really, really appreciate you. Happy Father's Day. Hey, what's going on, family? <laughs> it's good to be home. Um, it's so crazy how we all have our own story regarding fatherhood, um, everyone in this room. I just want to um, take this time to encourage you today uh, to just do something in your family and in your relationship throughout your day today. If your father's not here, maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with God. Um, or if your family is here and you can, you know, or they're away, just call them and, and have a simple conversation um, and do something as a result of what you heard today. So I want to be the first partaker of that. Is that okay? Dad, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit. Um, it's so crazy how people can tell you about fathers, but you never understand it until you become one. And um, it's a, you know what, they were putting up the statistic of 70% of African-American kids grow up without their father. And I just wanna tell you thank you. And that I love you so much. I know that it has not been easy, you know, and, and when you think of, of things like a child, you can look at the bad things, you can look at the, the things that your father didn't do right. But when you grow up, you start to see it through a different set of lenses. And I just want to say that I see you differently now that I am a father. And there's so many things that I'm, that I'm thankful you know, for that you've done. Um, I can't imagine what it was like to grow up losing your father at 15. You know, and I, I, I just appreciate that you didn't use that as an excuse when it, when it came to being a father to us. And I just want to say you're a, a great dad. And I, I really love you and I appreciate you. And I, I just want to ask you to forgive me for putting a focus on your mistakes. And I want to capitalize on the, on the good things because there's so many and they far outweigh the bad things. You know, the, and I just want to sow that as a seed that even in my relationship with my daughter, that as she gets older, she's going to see my mistakes as well. And I want her to, to have that same set of lenses that she puts on to see my dad you know he tried his best and I know that you tried your best so I just want to sing this song to you and tribute to you and in gratitude for you and also my dad always talks about my clothes <laughs> um, yeah, he said he's coming I don't know that <laughs> um, so yeah this song I would say the, the greatest gift that you gave me was the understanding that you shared today with everyone here. 
in that it's that you didn't teach us um, to look to you for all the answers. You taught us to have a relationship with God. And I feel like that's the, the greatest thing that I want to pass on to my daughter as well. So this song is in tribute to you and also the fact that, you know, in our relationship with God is where we get it all right. So yeah, I love you, Betty.